I'm preaching a message today that is entitled, Let's Make It Easy. Do you remember when um, Staples came out with that easy button? You, you know the easy button, and you push that, and it's like, it's easy. Have you ever put off a project that you thought was going to be really hard, but then when you got into it, it wasn't as hard as you thought that it was? And, and it, was, it seemed to have been easier than, than you originally had laid out everything and had dreaded everything. And the thing that I, I want to tell you today, and, and I've heard business owners, because I have the opportunity uh, in, in my travel and in the things that I do to make recommendations in people's businesses. And um, I was called in one time uh, at Chick-fil-A to help them on a couple of things, a couple of their projects that they were doing, and they wanted my input, and I was glad to, glad to, to be able to do that. And, and people ask my advice from time to time, not that I'm the smartest uh, dude or the sharpest knife in the drawer, but, you know, God has uh, allowed me to, to be able to be a part of, of things like that. But here's one of the things that, that I've heard business owners say, and, and as well as me, have you ever heard a business owner say this, that we need to make it easy for people to come in the doors? We need to make it easy for people to come into the doors. One thing that we have to understand that when people come into the church, within two minutes they've made a decision whether they're coming back. Before they hear a song, before they meet the pastor, before they hear a sermon, they have made a decision whether they're going to come back within those two minutes of those times. Now, that's not like that on every occasion, but it is on most. So, when it comes to salvation, and when it comes to the unchurched of being 10,000 unchurched people in Braxton County, and we think about those 10,000 unchurched people, we have to make it easy to lead them to Jesus. We have to, we have to, Barb and I talked about this one time, we have to, to lay out of the lingo, so to speak, and we have to, to get rid of the lingo and, and the uh, talking about the Holy Ghost and talking about this and talking about that and, and, and scaring people into salvation. We don't ever want to do that, but we want to make it easy for them to know Jesus. I, I remember when I accepted Jesus into my life, uh, it, it was easy. Uh, I was raised in church. I was raised in a Methodist church, Cross Lanes United Methodist, years ago, and I was saved when I was 11. I was sitting about, uh, about right in that area there, and um, I was sitting there, and I felt the Lord call me. And I didn't go to the altar. I, I didn't repeat the sinner's prayer. I didn't ask the Lord to come into my heart. I accepted him. We make it so difficult. You say, well, you ain't saved, preacher, because you didn't ask the Lord to forgive you of all my sins. We, you see how intrigued we make it? You see how difficult? But what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, only believe. That's what he says, Carla. He says to believe. He says to believe. To believe on me. Uh, we had in our, in our small group back in the summer, um, John Sandy taught on the whole armor of God. It's on, it's on YouTube. I encourage you to, to watch it. Um, you know, the whole series is on there. And, and at the end of it, he, he, he tells us that how we put on the whole armor of God is we put on Jesus. That's it. We put on Jesus. We, we put on Jesus. And, and, and we allow him to become a part of us and, and, and to intertwine with us. And, and then we need to love people outside of the four walls of the church and even inside of the four walls as we make it easy. Wouldn't it be amazing today if we could make the gospel of Jesus Christ so easy that a non-believer would understand it? The enemy has complicated it because we have to work through a bunch of red tape because the older that you are when you get saved... 
the more stuff that you've got to work through, amen? But if you can get saved when you're really young, then, then God can, can work with you, and he can work with the inner man, and he can get the inner man into a place of, of submission to cause the outer man to, to be in control because the inner man is in charge. But what happens is we get saved so late in life that our flesh is in so much control that it's hard for the, the spirit man, the inner man, to be able to, to get victory over the flesh, if you understand what I'm saying to you. And it's, it's something that we have to, to, to constantly work with. We can't seem to get them in the doors because of the Bible jargon. I'm almost convinced of this, that, and I'm not preaching a message today on soul winning. I'm preaching a message to let for us to, to, to make it easy for people to get their healing, to get their miracle. You know, we think that it's a miracle when somebody gets healed. It's a miracle to maintain your health. The healing, you know, it, it's, a, it's a miracle. The miracle is maintaining, maintaining your health. And, and so when you think about that process, you know, you, you work through that and, and God can show you a, a lot of different things. But, but, but what we have to do is we have to get rid of the nonsense, so to speak, in church. And we have to get rid of, so, the, so to speak, the gossip and the things. And it's like, well, they handle snakes there or they speak in tongues there. See, here's the things. I believe that speaking in tongues is normal. I believe it's normal. I don't believe that speaking in tongues has a label. I, I don't. I, I don't think it has a label. I, I don't think walking in, in miracles is, is a, is a, there's a label there. There shouldn't be it's because it should be normal. It should be normal for people to walk in a healing. <coughs> Our president... Theodore Roosevelt said this, he says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can have a slew of degrees on the wall and you can be just as smart and good looking, but if people don't know that you care about them, if the church today doesn't care, if people don't know that the church cares about them, let me give you an example. You know, there are some churches that are about the money. They're about they they want they don't want the 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 people that um, are middle class or you know maybe you know on welfare or this kind of thing. It, it's like the upper the upper middle class. There are some churches that just want those kind of people for status quo. But when you think about that, and when you think about what about all the rest of the people? There's 10,000 unchurched people in Braxton County. We don't have to go searching for other churches and apostolating. We don't have to do that. We can have them, but we have to reach them, and we have to make it easy for us to reach them. Let me give you a couple examples. I hope you're with me so far on this. Uh, let's make it easy. Here it is. Here it is. In Matthew 9:36, <coughs> Matthew 9, chapter 36, it's on the screen. Here we go. It says, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. I could stop it right there. But as I continue, it says, like sheep having no shepherd. How many times do you look around in the world today? How many times do you look around in the church today and you see people that are, that are Matthew chapter 9, 36? They're weary and scattered. I don't believe that the church should be weary and scattered. I don't think that we should have to have a revival and bring in a bunch of singers to get a move of God. The move of God starts outside of the four walls of this church. It, it's like Megan said today, it's the church coming to the building and we are the church. And so if we are walking this walk and talking this talk outside of the four walls, then we will have revival in our home, in our marriages, with our children, and, <laughs> and in our church. We're going to have these things. Because we have a relationship outside of the four walls. 
yeah, sometimes we get weary and sometimes we get scattered and sometimes, you know, uh, you know the enemy may, may throw us a, a, a blow. But I'll, I will tell you this, is that we have victory through it. I, I Hold on a minute. I think I said, pause for effect for people to shout and run the pews when I say that we have victory through it. We have victory through it. I mean, we have victory through it. When, when you're going through the storm, understand there's a beginning, a middle, and an end of a storm. But when you're going through the storm, you can be absolutely, uh, you can be absolutely steadfast and unmovable through the storm. Do you believe that? I believe that. I've been in airplanes that absolutely are rocking to and fro. I was on a boat one time in, in, the, in the ocean, and it was just rocking to and fro. And let me tell you something. We can maintain our, confident, our, our, our constant, consistent relationship with Jesus. And, and it's almost like, can we go back uh, and, and sleep on the pillow with him? <laughs> in the midst of the of the the tossing and the turning of the of the the boat and the wind and the rain can we not go back and lay down with Jesus and say he's got this he does no matter what it is no no matter if it's spiritual physically emotionally he's got it now, now understand this, and let me, let me keep reading here because this is a wonderful story. So, Jesus has compassion on the multitude because they're weary and they're scattered. You know, as a pastor, I, I have compassion on people a, a lot of times because I, I think they don't know better and, and they don't understand. And, and, and I think that they could understand uh, with what goes on in life and this kind of thing. But it just seems like that we're, we're so weary and we're so scattered because it's right in front of us. We, we can't get away from it. We can't see the whole picture. We can't see what's going on. We, we, it's right there and, that, and, and, and nothing moves. Uh, but yet the Bible tells you and me that we can say that we can speak to the mountain and the mountain will be cast into the sea. So what are you struggling with? What is the mountain is in your life? You have the authority to move it. Your prayer is a baco. Your prayer can move dirt. Because he says to move the mountain. The preacher you don't know, I've dug me a big hole. Well, let me tell you something. You can get out of that big hole with Jesus. Now, let's continue. We don't want to be weary and we don't want to be, we don't want to be scattered. But in Matthew chapter 9, 18, I'm going kind of up and back. And while he was saying this, now listen, while he was saying these things to them, he said, behold, the ruler, a ruler came in and knelt before him. He knelt before him as a ruler in reverence to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he said that my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Do you, ever, do you ever wonder when you read these scriptures, we're just seeing it on words, but I wonder what the reenactment would be like. You have a ruler that's coming into the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he kneels down before him and he says, my daughter has died, but if you come and you lay your hands on her, then she'll recover, she'll get better, she'll be healed. I wonder if he was, you remember the term, wigging out? I used that in Columbia one time. It doesn't translate. I'm sorry it doesn't translate. Some of my slang words don't translate. God only knows what Ron said that day. They looked at me real funny. But, but when you think about that, when you think about what really, what, what would you do? You would be hysterical. In hysterics, you would, you would just absolutely be just tore all to pieces. I would be. And, and you think, well, man of God, you should be. Let me tell you something. When it comes to your kids, man, I tell you what, he needed a miracle. He needed a move. So Jesus gets up, and he's going to go 
lay hands on the daughter and she's going to recover because he believed that she could do, he could do that. But then it gets stopped. He gets stopped. Jesus gets stopped by a woman that has an issue of blood. Anybody take a guess how long? 12 years. You think she had a lot to talk about? Jesus stops. Who touched me? Rabbi, there's all these people around you and you're wanting to know who touched you? And he has a conversation with a woman that has an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard conversations that have happened to where it back 12 years ago or 15 years ago, and people start back then. She could have been sharing the whole story. We don't know the timeline on this, but what we do know is that the body will die, and, 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 and if there's no oxygen, I think it's three and a half minutes or something like that, that, that it, it's going to die, gonna, there's going to be brain damage, there, there's going to be all these things that are going to take place. Because So you would think, and I would think, that Jesus should be in a hurry because he has got to pray for that, for that daughter before three and a half minutes or there's no hope. Because even God, even Jesus, can't conquer death. He could have spent 10 years talking to that woman. He could have went to Shoney's and had the breakfast bar. Or he could have went to Pizza Hut for lunch. There's your commercial. He could have took a nap. He could have took a bubble bath. He could have went back to heaven. He could have went and got a manicure. He could have went and done everything that he wanted to do. He could have watched the ball game. And then he could have left. And he could have said, take me to her. Well, then there were professional mourners that I don't know who paid them. Um, must have been the independence because you know he, he, they got paid you know for being mourners and, and so there, there's some things there that I'm not even reading here but I'm just kind of paraphrasing it's amazing that he kicked them out here's what's amazing about this the daughter died he said come and lay your hands on her that she will live Because he had compassion. How, how did the ruler know that all he had to do was lay his hands on his daughter and she would get better? She would live. Because word travels. Good uh, Gossip travels, but the word travels. And let me tell you something, when we're praying for people, I hope that you get your selfie sticks out and I hope that you get your cameras out and you record every bit of it because we want word to travel that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords showed up at 403 Elk Street in Gassaway, West Virginia on the ninth day of February of 2020. You say, well, what are you wanting to do, put on a show? No, I'm not wanting to put on a show, but give Jesus all the glory. Here's why. Here's why he knew. He knew what was going on. He knew he had compassion. The ruler knew this. He says, and because in Matthew 9, 26, he says, and the report of this went through all that district. See, people love juicy 
bad gossip about stuff, about people, about marriages and about affairs and about all this kind of stuff. People, people love to, 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 to juicify on stuff like that. They, that's a new word for you today. And, and they like to juicify. They love that kind of stuff. But, but let me tell you something. What I'm excited about, I'm excited when I can brag about some of you all that are writing books. And I can write about some of you, uh, uh, brag about you all because you're writing music and, and people, are, uh, people are recording it and, and we're singing new things up here and God is doing that God is doing that and, and I'm excited today when we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and they get better and they're never fought in that area again church that is what you and me are all about you know why because that's what Jesus is all about it's in the word of God he says and there was a report that went out through all the district people are waiting for you to catch on fire and to come by this church and watch you burn. And I'm not talking physically catch on fire. I'm talking spiritually catch on fire. The where I don't even get in the pulpit and preach because somebody else took off. Notice in that scripture that Jesus did not go into the house until the negativity left. Have you ever read that? He did not. I love this stuff. You can miss some of the gold nuggets if you, if you, if you fly through it. And understand something. That the negativity had to leave because Jesus didn't want to be around that. I don't want to be around it. You shouldn't want to be around it. We should want to be around what God's doing and how he's moving and what, and what people are getting and, 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 and people are being set free and, drug, and, and, and blood disorders are set free. I don't know why he touches me there. If you have a, drug, a, a, a blood disorder here today, I pray you're healed in Jesus' name. Accept it. We wonder why Jesus doesn't move in our life. It's because he doesn't have room to get in your home to perform a miracle because of the negativity. Because of the lack of faith. Because we have reason versus revelation. I'm going deep with you. We have reason versus revelation. And revelation is what we need to go by. Now, reason is our five senses. It's our, it's, it's our smell, our touch, our see, you know, all these things. That's what we go by. But, but our salvation is a spiritual it's a spiritual thing that takes place. It's not, it's not in reason, but it's in revelation. So the revelation here today is the fact is that if you've got a bunch of negativity around you and you've got a bunch of that, you need to get a new set of friends and you need to change the attitude because let me tell you something, it's hard for God to move where there's negativity. You say, well, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes, he is. But I wonder what it would have been like to have those people inside that house while he's, while he's raising that person from the dead and they're negative and they're mourning. There's a reason for that. I have actually cleared out rooms before to pray for somebody because I felt like there was negativity in the room. There can't be negativity in the room. You say, well, I don't, I, I don't believe that God heals today because I, I've never seen it. Well, can you see gravity? You know it's there. Do <laughs> you know that we're spinning? Lindsay says, Lindsay always tells me, by the way, she's at Winfield leading worship down there today. And, and, and she tells me, she said, Dad, she said, it freaks me out when you start talking, uh, talking physics. And I said, honey, I said, we're spinning. I said, we're driving 70 mile an hour in a car, and we're spinning over 200,000 miles an hour uh, in, in a ball that's, that's 25,000 miles big. She says, Dad, you're blowing my mind. I said, God blows your mind. And you're sitting still. Explain that to me. 
Some people, Lindsay was telling me this the other day, I can't remember the name of them, but there are some people that are still believing that the world is flat. What are they called? What are they called? Flat earthers? That's original. (laughs) Flat earthers. I can believe that too. That's crazy, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm a big astronaut buff, and I love space, and my mom used to let me stay home when the shuttles would take off. It was before DVR and VCR, and, and I would say, Mom, I, I want to I watch the shuttle uh, take off today. And, and, and so I would go to school late, and, if it, and if she'd only give me one chance. Now, if they scrubbed the launch, then I couldn't stay home the next day. But I would stay home, and I would watch these launches. And then you would see the pictures that they would send back from, from, uh, from outer space. It, it looks to me like the earth is round. Tell some of them people to call me, Ricky. I'll, I'll line them out and tell them the way it is. That's the craziest thing. When the negativity left, the miracle happened. That's why we wonder why Jesus doesn't move sometimes in our lives. It's because we're too busy feeding from the wrong trough, so to speak. Do you know that there's not one thing in that Bible that Jesus said and limited you from doing? Are you with me? There's not one thing in the Bible that he told you that you couldn't do. Let me shift gears because this thing even gets, this, this gets gooder. In Matthew chapter 9, 27 and 28, get this. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him. Chew on that a minute. And when Jesus departed, two blind men followed him. Do you remember the sermon that I preached not long ago? It's on, it's on Facebook. It's on uh, iTunes. It's on YouTube. It's, it's any place that you want to find it. It's there. And here is the title of it. We have to look through our other set of eyes. We cannot run or allow our lives to be run by anything but revelation. We have to allow revelation to come into play. Now this is revelation right here. Two blind men followed him. Here's the thing. They couldn't see in the physical, but they could see in the spiritual. They didn't know who Jesus was. They were blind. And when Jesus departed, two blind men followed him, crying. They got the revelation, and then they knew who he was. Why? Because then they said, thy son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Okay. So he he raised a girl from the dead, dried up the issue of blood, and now he's got two blind men that are following. You often wonder if that's where that saying came from, the blind leading the blind. But see, church, what you're going through in your life, don't always look at it through your spiritual eyes but look at it through or your, your physical eyes but look at it through your spiritual eyes what is God telling you through this you're always going to go through stuff some of it you are going to bring on yourself and some of it is because of just circumstances and the way things happen 
But there's a lesson to learn in everything that you go through. Do you believe it? Do you agree? There's a lesson to learn. And so here, here, here as we continue through this thing, that, that the two blind men followed him crying aloud. How can you be blind spiritually or physically? But in the spiritual, they're following him. It doesn't say that somebody was helping them, does it? Does it say that they had a handler? It, do, it doesn't say. Some, some things it, it doesn't, they may have. But two blind men followed him, followed Jesus. Not only that, are they blind, but they're crying out and they're saying, have mercy. We are so prideful in this world today that we don't have the guts to say, God, have mercy on us. I do, because I need it. I need help. I need help from God. In verse 29, he says, or in verse 28, listen to this. And when he entered to the house... The blind man, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, now, now think of this. He, Jesus, these blind men followed Jesus, and I may be more, making more out of it than, than there is. Then they find their way in the house. Now here's what Jesus says to them. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, yes, Lord. It's that simple. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. Do you know there are people with faith waiting on you to pray for them? To receive their healing. It's easy. The homework assignment is easy. There's people already got the faith. They just want you to be the conductor. The one who puts the two together. That's what God want, want, uses you and me for. Is to lay hands on, on the sick. And the Bible tells us that they shall recover. And, and sometimes it's your faith. I don't want to get technical with you. But sometimes it's your faith. And sometimes it's their faith. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with you. But these blind dudes, they had faith. They had the revelation on who God was and is. Isn't that like, isn't that like a aha moment? Is, I mean, is it, am I like a little kid up here in a candy factory finding something new? Or does that not like, that is so cool. He says, according to your faith, it is done for you. So what do you want to get out of your faith? John Christopher, our son, some of you have met him, some of you haven't. He attends the Winfield campus most of the time and uh, with, the, with his girlfriend. Uh, and, uh, you know, we work out. And I, I like, Jesse, what your, I don't know if you all saw his, his uh, uh, you know, because I checked in at the Barbersville, so uh, Planet Fitness down there with him yesterday and and Christy and Stephanie and we we worked out down there and John's tough on me I mean he's not easy on me he's got me doing this thing can I show you can I show you All right, everybody stand up I'm gonna show you I know I'm gonna do it but I'm gonna I want to show you I want to I want to show you is this camera where, where do you need a camera less for the close-up Right here? All right. This is to work the inner core. All right? This is to work the inner core. 
And this takes faith. All right. You may have to help me up. So you lay like this. And you're like this for a minute and a half. You're like that for a minute and a half. And, oh, you want me to do it for a minute? I can do it for a minute and a half. But what I do, you got to mock. <laughs> no. So we're done with the workout. You can be seated. And he says, we're going to go back and I'm going to work the inner core of, of you. And, and I said, okay. So we get my phone there and you may not be impressed with that. But I can even feel when I did that. I'm starting to shake on the inside where I'm not totally healed from it from last night. The first time that I did it, we did it twice. The first time we did it, we did it for 40 seconds. It would seem like eternity. And your body will tell you you can't do it. But I told myself that I could. Fifty-one years old, down there on the floor. It was my turn again. And I did it. You know why I did it? Because I was determined that I was going to do it. See, church, I had faith that I knew that I could do it. Because the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and I said I knew I could do it. And, and God helped me. Here's the thing. It's amazing to me that we want to do some things. But when we think that we can't do them, then we lay it off the side. Let me tell you something. I want to do the things that people tell me I can't do. I want to do the things that the devil tells me that I can't do. Oh, you can't do that. You can't believe for that. You can't open a daycare. You can't start a church. You can't do these kind of things. Let me tell you something. Who said you can't? Who told you you couldn't be healed? Who told you that you would never get out of debt? Come on now. Who told you that? Who told you your marriage would never be restored? Who told you that? God would never tell you that. It's the revelation. We need to make it easy. We need to become the, the, the conduit to, to, to make it happen. You're the channel. You're the channel. You're the person that, that can help put that into, into place and, 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 and somebody to be healed in the grocery store or, or wherever they may be or in the parking lot. And, and, and see, God, you're that person because he said, greater things will you do. He says, I'm going to heaven, but you do it. The healing power of God is in you. Look at your hands. Everybody look at your hands. There is the healing power of the Holy Spirit right there in your hands. You say, well, well that's impossible. Well, you're going to go by revelation or by reason. Reason says it's just got your spiritual life. It's the supernatural. It's walking in the supernatural. It's meeting that person on the street, that kingdom connection of that person that says, man, I really needed, needed you. The, the other day, Christy and I, this Tuesday, will be married 31 years. Yeah, 31 years. 31 years. And we love to spend time with each other. 
I've got a flight meeting this afternoon and, and you know, Sunday afternoon nap. Sunday afternoon bubble bath. Not with her, but with me. I just thought I'd clarify that. But I could if I want to. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Okay. <laughs> we love spending time with each other. Thursday. I made it home. It's like Barry Manilow's song. I made it through the rain. Christy says, Honey, will you go to the grocery store with me? If you love me, you'll go to the grocery store with me. She didn't say that. I went to the store, hardly anybody in there. And we ran into several people that we knew. They were both kingdom connections. Ran into a fella, David Bentley is his name. And I see him quite a bit at Kroger and his his kids and, and our kids went to school together, and God is just doing wonderful things in his life, in his wife's life. We're, we're going to try to have him come up to one of our connect groups real soon and, and speak to us just on the revelation. And so then I went to get something. After we left that conversation, Christy went one way. And I, and I thought, well, I needed, I don't remember what it was. I was headed to the milk department, I guess. And, and so I ran into a guy named Gary Wooten. And Gary Wooten is a, a dear friend of our family. Back, back years and years and years ago, back when I was a teenager, I dated his sister. And, but we've all maintained a friendship all those years. His mom has passed. His dad has passed. Um, and his, he has siblings, and so his mom hadn't died very long ago. And so he wanted to talk about it. Because we were, we had something going on up here, and I missed, we missed the funeral, our family did, uh, of his mom. And my mom and her mom got their music degrees together. And, and so, you know, it's just a special, special friendship with the family. And... <clears throat> he he's crying right there in the right there in the aisle where we are. Well, and then I, I told him, I said, Gary, I said, it, it gets easier. I said, I said, it gets easier. I said, not that the fact is that you, you miss them, and I know you miss them, but I said it gets easier. It, it will get easier. I said, eventually you're you're going to the the the, the fog is going to clear. And you're going to get better and you're going to, to come back to reality. And I said, but there are going to be times that you are going to just be clipping along real good. Because that was me. That was me. <clears throat> when my mom died, I thought, I've got this. I can handle this. Love my mom. I got it. If this is the worst it gets, the way I feel right now, then I'll be okay. Well, that was just completely as far from the truth that, that I could ever deceive myself in. I said, Gary, I said, you'll be clipping along just fine and the sun will be out and it'll be a beautiful day. And I said, and then all of a sudden you'll think about something that, that, that you remembered her about and then you'll go into tears and you'll just blubber and boo-hoo and cry. And I said, and everything that you do is fine. I said, that's good if you do that. 
And I said, I remember at the Mud Fork Church, Gary, I said, I remember uh, that I was talking about there was a song that Gold City had, had sung about, and they will sing, and it talks about uh, where people, uh, you know, that have went on and maybe they didn't sing so good when they were here, they'll, they'll sing without being out of pitch or they'll sing uh, without missing a note and, and we'll all just gather around and the Bible tells us that we'll sing a song that the angels cannot sing, I am redeemed. Well, some of you all were there that morning, and I was just, the place was packed. It was a good crowd, and here I am, and I'm telling you what, I got to thinking about that, and I got to that part about that song, and I thought about all the years that I had stood beside of my mom on the stage as we did evangelistic work and traveled all over the place, and we sang from church to church and church, and Barb was in some of those, some of those meetings that we had, and, and, and just singing our heart out, and the songwriting that that woman had, and, and we haven't even started doing any of her. Her music, and, and, and yet I started thinking about that. And I had a handkerchief laying right there. And as God is my witness, I broke in that church. And I hung my head in that hanky. And I bawled my eyes out. And if you remember, I told people, I said, you got to give me a minute. So I'm telling Gary about this conversation. I'm telling him this down there. Well, I start crying. I haven't cried about my mom in years. I, I haven't. I don't cry about mom. I love mom. Mom's in heaven. I don't cry. And, and I just, I'm fine because I know that I'm going to see her there. But there was something that clicked in me that day that said that, that I could not wait to see the day that I could find my mom in heaven, go down and put my arms around her and sing that song, I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb, the angels, the song that the angels cannot sing. And it tore me apart. If you still got your mommies, let me tell you something. You love them. Because there's coming a day where they won't be here. And you'll miss every day. You'll miss them. They may drive you up the wall now. It was a kingdom connection. He needed that. Maybe I did too. You didn't think I was going to be able to get back to this. Now let me tell you something. You thought I was going down a, a down, down a road. I was like, where am I going? I don't know where I'm at. Okay. That's why you're on this earth. To take people along with you. Cry with people. Have compassion with people. But I don't think the church has the compassion that we need. Because we're so intrigued in our own lives and our own mess. Instead of inviting someone to church, why don't we ask them this? Do you want to be made whole from the sickness that you're going through? Because one of the worst things that we could say to somebody is, why don't you come to church and get saved because you're going straight to hell? Come on now. How many people have ever heard that? How many people did you that way? Is that going to win people? They know they're going to hell. <clears throat> Why don't you look at somebody instead of inviting them to church and saying, tell me about your soul. Tell me what's going on in that heart of yours. You're tired of living in poverty. You're tired of living broke. tell people God can turn your finances around he will this is the church the church is to give hope the church is to give hope in John chapter 4 verse 29 he says come and see a man this is what the woman at the well said. Come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Messiah? The goal is this, is to get 
the, the goal was this, is to get you to be praying for the sick, raising the dead, setting the captives free, getting them saved, healed, set free from their broken hearts. You do all that, then they'll come into the four walls of the church. Don't get them to me. Don't bring them to me. You do it. Well, that's what we pay you for. It's your job. We'll, we'll get them in here. You pray for them and get them delivered. No, 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 no. It's our job. It's our job. Some of you all would talk to a phone pole if it would listen. But, yeah. But are we sharing Jesus? I ask you this question that Jesus asked the two blind guys. What did he say to them? He said, do you believe who I say I am? Do you believe? Do you believe that I have the power to raise the dead, set the captives free? Jesus is saying this. And, 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 and the people said yes. He asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? In John 14, 12, he says, truly, truly, I tell you, whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I am doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. All you need is faith to believe in Jesus Christ to do his work. It would be so awesome for JC to be able to have a line of people at her locker waiting for prayer in the Sin 6 school system. And I'm not being critical of some of your old jobs that you all have, but let me tell you something. It's a good thing that I'm not a teacher. Am I right? <laughs> it's a good thing. And I know, I think, I, I'm telling you what, and I have, I, and I, I have, I have met the, the superintendent, and I like her, uh, of Braxton County, I, I like her, I think she's, she's got a good heart, and I like her, and I'm praying for her, and I'm believing. But let me tell you something, when we are promoting homosexuality within the, within the school system, and when we are promoting that we can't, uh, we, that we have to be gender-based, my God, what's the world coming to? And the church is letting it happen. It's probably a good thing I didn't go on the school board because I didn't know these things when I was running for the school board. They kicked me off. Church, it's time to make a difference. It's time to make a difference. It's time to make a difference. God can work in a 20-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12, a teenager, he can work on any of us on the ball field, on the golf course. He can work with us at the airport. He can work at us anywhere in our jobs. He can do those things. Let me tell you something. You are the face of Jesus. But are we not so tied up in our own stuff that we say the heck with everybody else? Long as my family's good, long as everything's great. Say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've gone through. Everybody's going through it. But it's the enemy trying to get us to stop. See, I believe God wants to set some people free today. I, I believe that he wants to set people free today. If you, if you struggle 
here today, if you struggle here today with fear, if you, if you struggle with fear, let me tell you something. The Bible says 365 times in the Bible, it says to fear not. That's one for every day. If you struggle with fear, I want to, I want you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to spend some time praying for the body of Christ today. If you have anxiety and you struggle with anxiety, I want you to come and I want you to allow me to pray with you today and some others to pray for you. This is not the John Fowler show. This is God. This is God's show. That we want Him to have glory. Uh, him to have glory. And if you don't believe, do you believe that God can heal you? How, how many people don't believe that God heals? I do. I was saved in the Methodist church. They didn't preach that. I'm not being critical of the Methodist church, but they didn't preach that. They didn't preach tongues or the Holy Ghost or anything like that. They didn't preach that back then. But let me tell you something. It's coming along. You're struggling with fear and you're struggling with anxiety. And I believe, and I believe as I was walking through my house yesterday, I was walking through the kitchen. And I believe that God wants to deliver, deliver somebody from anger, from anger problems, problems that they have with anger. So if you're here, and Andy, if you could play something, and, 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 and fear and anxiety, I'd like to pray for that first. You say, well, who do you think you are? I'm a child of the Most High God. The anointing of God runs through my veins. I have the power. You have the power. Because Jesus said that we can do it, did he not? Did he not say lay hands on the sick and they what? They may get better? What's it say? They shall get better. Do you believe it? What are your needs today? The altar is open. Fear and anxiety. I want to pray for people that are struggling with fear and anxiety first. Crucify the pride. Hit the altar. Line up here, I want to pray for you. Fear and anxiety. You're a child of the Most High God. Don't allow, don't allow, don't allow the enemy to bully you. Because you're more powerful than he is. You're more powerful than he is. If you're here today and you struggle struggle with anger, I want to pray for you. I saw a woman delivered, a young teenager in Colombia one time. This woman was delivered uh, from anger. My goodness. She got free. She got free. God's faithful. Try. 
spoke a